You are now listening to The Shyest Podcast, when millions of opinions just aren't enough. Chiefs won a wild one in overtime, 34-28 against the Chargers on Thursday night. And now it's time for the Week 15 Pick'em Show. Hello, everybody. We are back. It's the Pick'em Show. It's Week 15. It's going to be interesting. COVID is running rampant throughout the NFL. And games are getting postponed, even though the league initially wasn't going to do that. So there's some teams taking it on the chin that have gotten their games moved to Tuesday. Not so great for the Eagles and the Seahawks, who would have played uh, Washington and Rams Rams team respectively. Very uh, depleted due to COVID. Um, Those are going to be some big games. But, you know, we'll go back and look at the Kansas City versus the Chargers game first. Thursday night was a crazy night. Uh, You know, Andre Roberts almost returned the opening kick for a touchdown. The Chargers have the ball at first and goal at the five-yard line to basically start the game. And they go to Mike Williams, I think, three times in a row. He doesn't catch any of them. And then they go to Parham. Parham in the back of the end zone and he catches it but hits the ground really hard uh takes a pretty bad head injury drops the ball and gets carted off the field on a fourth down or after the fourth down so uh Chiefs jump out to a 10-0 lead in that game and even so uh, the Chargers were mostly in complete control of that game. They were up 14. Uh, they were up, I think, 14-10 at one point. They passed on the opportunity to make it 17-0 late in the first half. And it's still 14-13 in the third quarter-ish. And they pass up the field goal again. And eventually they end up tied 28-28 at the end of the game and the Chiefs win the toss in overtime and Kelsey from near midfield catches a ball over the middle and just takes it 34 yards to the house and the game's over and the Chiefs win 34-28 and it's one of those games where you know game flow and analytics are going to collide with each other and Nobody's going to agree. And ultimately, the Chargers were 2 of 5 on fourth down. And I'm the kind of guy who, when you're playing with the lead against a team like the Chiefs, uh, and you're in the third quarter, you should probably take the points there. Um, The first drive of the game, like, you got all the way down to the five. It's the first possession of the game. Like, if they want to go for it there, I don't really have an issue with that at all. Uh, it's just when you look back at it, it's like, hey, there's nine points 
they left on the board because they didn't kick field goals. And if they had taken any of those field goals, the game would not have been tied at the end. And uh, the coach, Brandon Staley, comes out and says, you know, I like what we did. We're not going to change anything. This is who we are. We're going to stay aggressive like this. And the analytics crowd is saying that, yeah, this was the right decision because going for it on fourth down increases your chance of winning. Um, I'm not a believer in analytics because I don't think the equation accounts for all of the many, 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 many variables that are available in any given football game. Um, situationally, uh, in terms of like trend predictions and analysis, there's some value to it. Uh, obviously, they're looking at something that's telling them that if they get this fourth down conversion, they have much better odds of winning the game, right? So I don't have any issue with that. Uh, my question is that percentage of increase that they have of winning the game by completing the fourth down versus the percentage uh, that increases of them losing the game by not getting the fourth down is the decision that the coaching staff has to make. And clearly they have people in place that told them that it was a good idea to continue to go for it on fourth down. Um, like I said, I'm fine with most of it. They should have just kicked one of those field goals and that game never gets tied. It's just against a team like the Chiefs, like they were playing with fire the whole time. Uh, they also turned the ball over with the fumble and an interception. So in total, that's five turnovers. That's five opportunities extra you gave to a Chiefs team that had only scored 13 points into the third quarter. So you had really defensively done a great job for a team that has had a poor defense all year. Uh, the Chargers had done a good job of controlling what the Chiefs wanted to do. But, you know, sooner or later, you give them all these extra possessions and the Tyree Kills and the Travis Kelseys of the world are going to beat you. And like I said, they played with fire and they got burned. Uh, was it the right decision to keep going for it all the time? I don't know. It seemed to be what they wanted to do. Uh, and the thing is, it's like, if analytics dictates that that's what you do, right? That it's the right decision. If it's the right decision, then why did they lose the game? Well, it's like, oh, well, the odds were in favor of them winning. It's like, yeah, but they didn't win. So the odds clearly couldn't have been that strongly in favor of them winning. And so I guess my ultimate question to anybody who does data science for the NFL, which they're not going to listen to this or answer me, but like for me, like, okay, so say, say we have a fourth down situation and we want to go for it. Right. But the odds that are increased of me winning the game, it goes up, say 3%. But if I kick the field goal, the odds go up 1%. And then how much, if I don't get the percent, if I don't get the conversion on the fourth down, how much does I, my winning percentage go down? So these are like mass calculation variables because there's no way to know like which players are going to be on the field, which defensive packages are going to be in. All you can do is, you know, play the odds. So there's a lot of variables that are, that are not possible to be factored in to the analytics approach to football. What you can do is look at the league-wide averages of like what happens in these situations and what the ultimate outcome is, and that maybe gives you a picture of what's going to happen. 
if you're a team that says converts, you know, 60% of your fourth down conversions, right? You have a play that you like, obviously, in fourth down that can get you there. Is it the right decision to go for it because you're going to get it more than 50% of the time? Yeah, maybe. Nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with generally, like, going for it on fourth down. I think we'll probably just see more and more and more of that. For me, it was just, like, a game flow issue. Like... You have the you have the chance to make that game 17 to 10 and then you have another chance to make it 17 to 13 and just keep a struggling offense behind the curve in terms of points. And then they got into a situation where they're trading touchdowns, but then they I think kicked an extra point at one point. So like if you're like if you're going to go for it on a 4th and 2 or a 4th and 5 or something like that, then why wouldn't you go for two every time you score a touchdown to try and increase the lead? Yeah, so it was tied 21-21, right? And then the Chargers end up scoring with about two minutes left in the fourth quarter. But then if analytics dictate that you go for it on fourth down because it increases your chance of winning, why not go for it on... Uh, why not go for the two-point conversion after converting the touchdown there to make it... 29-21 instead of 28-21. How much do coaches or or like offense or defense coordinators depend on these analytics or even reference them in their decisions to make certain calls? Um, it depends on the coach themselves. Uh, some coaches are super into it, like Brandon Staley for the Chargers obviously looked at the numbers and said, we're going to go for this all the time. Um, some coaches like Sean McDermott are like they want to play the analytics game, but they like hesitate. We saw in the AFC title game last year that both of the losing coaches in the conference championship games played an analytics style of football and they both lost. Um, it just to me, like there's no way you can calculate all the different variables that are in. You can only do very generalized uh, statistical predictions. Like, you can look at all fourth downs. You can look at, like, the league-wide success rate. You can look at the uh, conversion rate that, say, the Chiefs give up on fourth down and just, like, have a general idea of, like, okay, we have a good chance to convert this. But I have no idea how they could possibly get to this decision increasing your chances of winning overall. That makes, you know how many different factors have to come into actually calculating whether or not converting a fourth and two at midfield has anything to do with whether or not you win the game. That's what I'm asking. Like are the, the analytics start as for gambling purposes or for legit coaching purposes. It started in baseball and then made its way over to football because it worked in baseball because baseball has got 160 games and so you see, oh, this guy gets on base X amount of times. We want him at this position in the lineup because then he'll be on base more. The guy behind him who drives in more runs will have more guys in front of him to drive home, etc. But in baseball, any in any given game in baseball, you figure a guy who's in your starting lineup will have three at-bats at least. So over the course of 162 games, that's, what, 480 or almost 500 at bats to pull data from to where you can be like, these are the kind of pitches that work against him. This is where, you know, these things work and don't work. Um, like, but most teams on a season 
their fourth down conversion attempt rate is like what they're like four of eight on the year so it's like is there even enough data present to really create a predictive model that can tell you whether or not this is this decision will contribute to you winning the game because it's football it's about points right there's no way kicking a field goal doesn't contribute to you winning the game so I would say just kick at least one of those field goals in one of those fourth down situations to give yourself a lead against the offense that's struggling. But then again, you know, they didn't do it. They were still in a position to win the game for the most part, but they let the Chiefs hang around is what they did. You know, if they score, like say they kick those field goals right there, that's nine extra points. The Chiefs are down an extra two scores at the end of the game. So it doesn't matter if the Chiefs scored 28, the, the Chargers would already be at a... What, 37? So the game would already be out of reach. Um, but hindsight's 2020. If you're listening to this and you're a data scientist and you're in analytics and you want to talk to me, please do. Reach out. Uh, you can email me at nick at thescheist.com. Uh, anyway, the Chargers blew their opportunity to sit atop the AFC West. They fall to eight and six. The Chiefs go to ten and four. The door for them to win the division is now closed, I would say, with only four games left and them being a full two games back. They don't have the tiebreaker over them anymore. Uh, and now at eight and six, like you got the Bills, the Colts at seven and six, uh, the Broncos at seven and six. There is a situation where the Chargers may not make the playoffs. It looks like they're good. They, honestly, they should have beat the Chiefs. They were beating them the whole game. And they, I think, they overcoached themselves. And they blew it. Uh, but I think the Chargers are clearly a good team. But because of that, if they just stumble a little bit here and they get to, say, if they lose another game and they're at seven losses, they might not get in the playoffs. And they'll go back to this game and those decisions and it'll be like, we had the Chiefs beat. You know? It was yeah. 21 to 13 at one point, but to start the second quarter, uh, the Chief, or sorry, to start the second half, the Chiefs got the ball and they go down, they kick a field goal. And then the Chargers go down the field and rather than kick the field goal and just kind of like get momentum back on their side, they go for it on fourth down. They don't get it. So now the game's 14, 13. And then the Chiefs turn the ball over on downs on the next possession. And then the Chargers fumble on the next possession. Then the Chiefs throw a pick, and then the Chargers finally score that touchdown. So it's like, you know, I just think it's too many extra opportunities to give a team like the Chiefs. The way to beat the Chiefs is to keep their offense off the field, to dominate time of possession, things of that nature, to just, like, put them behind the eight ball and make them work constantly. So the Chargers didn't do that, and it ended up coming back to bite them. Um, so anyway, moving on. It's Saturday. We're about an hour out from game time. So by the time that anybody listens to this, the Patriots and the Colts game may already be over. But there was also supposed to be the Raiders and the Browns, which got moved to the early Monday night slot thanks to the league's ridiculous COVID protocols and their mishandling of basically all of this mess Two extra games got moved. You know, they moved the, uh, sorry, the Seattle and Ram, the Seahawks-Rams game 
got moved to Tuesday because the Rams are having a horrible outbreak and the Eagles and Washington football team also got moved to Tuesday because of the same problem. So those are very pivotal matchups for all the teams involved. And if you're one of the teams that isn't having a massive COVID outbreak because like your players are fully vaccinated or you're more strict about it within your organization or whatever, you've got to be pissed. If I'm the Seahawks, I'm fucking super pissed. If I'm the Eagles, I'm super pissed because we did everything right. The league said it was going to punish the teams that didn't do everything right. And here we are. The league is folding because people, I mean, you know, it's about money for sure. It's the NFL. It's always about money, but those were uh forfeiture counts as a loss. So some people were going to get reamed, uh, in Vegas and all of the other gambling capitals of the world on some of those games. Um, but anyway, back to Colts Patriots kicks us off Saturday night. I want the Colts to win. I believe the Colts will win, but I'm trying to separate my desire for them to win from the logic that I use to get to that outcome. So my, my basic outcome or sorry, excuse me, my basic uh, observation of this matchup is looking at how they both played the Bills. Um, the Patriots kind of edged out the Bills in really bad conditions, but the Bills had multiple opportunities to win that game in the red zone and just couldn't do it. The Colts went into Buffalo in... Bad conditions, but not as windy. It was rainy, cold, slick, all that. And the Bills had a lot of bad stuff happen to them in the first couple of possessions of that game. Uh, There's an interception, a fumbled kick return. So before you know it, like that game was really out of reach, but the Colts kept it out of reach. That game didn't get close at any point, and the Colts just continued to light them up. So I'm looking at that as kind of a metric for this. I think the Colts are built probably to do very well against the Patriots. I need Jonathan Taylor. I need you now more than ever. I need you, Jonathan. Uh, (laughs) It's it's a tough one, I think. It is the Patriots have their rush defense isn't great. They give up a lot of ground yards. If you look at, uh, I think it was the Titans game. Titans ran for like two hundred something yards on them with a couple of running backs, and they had no receivers, so there was no reason to think that the Titans were going to do anything other than run the ball. And they still ran it down their throat. Uh, But the Colts have one of the best run-blocking offensive lines in football. And just one of the best pass-blocking lines, too. I think they're top 10 in uh, sack percentage given up. And I think they're number 2 overall in yards per carry. Or they're they're first in yards per carry and second in yards per game, I think is what it is. So the Colts are super effective at what they do. And I think just as long as Carson Wentz doesn't turn the ball over, which you never know, because in all of the games that they've lost that have been those one possession games, I think four of their losses are one possession games that are decided by uh, seven or less. He's got turnovers in all those games. And so it's not that he turns the ball over all the time, but when he does, they lose. Look at the Tampa Bay game. They were completely dominating Tampa Bay at the half. Uh, They were in complete control. And then he comes out and he throws a pick and he fumbles in the second half and they lose. Uh, So he's got to avoid that. 
So I would just want to keep the ball out of his hands as much as possible, as much Taylor as possible, get Hines involved. Uh, just don't force Carson Wentz to have to be a hero. And if you're the Patriots, you want to shut down Jonathan Taylor and force Carson Wentz to have to be a hero because you know he's prone to fumbling. He's fumbled, I think, seven times this season. Uh, and if you just look at his career numbers, like I think his career high was like 14 or 16 fumbles in a season. That's a lot. That's one every game. Um, so he's not quite on that pace right now. So he's toned it down a little bit, but it's been a problem for him, uh, throughout his career. He's got a ton of fumbles. Uh, you don't always lose those fumbles, but nonetheless, putting the ball on the ground as a quarterback is not what you want to do. So as long as the Colts show up and play the kind of game that I think they're capable of, I think they beat the Patriots. And, you know, the Patriots have won so many in a row at this point they're bound to lose one eventually. And I think this matchup wise, like had that bills game, not had the kind of weather conditions it had, they may have lost that game against the bills, but the, the weather dictated a certain style of game that the Patriots were much more prepared to play than Buffalo was. So I'm curious to see inside the dome where the weather is controlled. What like the, the Colts should have no issue playing the type of game that they want to play. It's just a matter of can the Patriots get them to get off of that at all. And if they can and they can slow down Jonathan Taylor, it'll be interesting. If Jonathan Taylor does what he normally does and goes for 120 and two touchdowns, it's going to be a, a tough day for the Pats because the Colts' defense is good. Their offensive line is very physical. Uh, and they, they just play like a good brand of like team football just like the Patriots do. So if you flip the one-score games in their record, they have four more wins. So they'd be, what, 11-2 and two? rather than 7-6? and six? And people wouldn't be, you know, people would be very scared of the Colts as a good team. Uh, so I'm going to go with the Colts. I got to just hope that, you know, my heart has not weaseled its way into my brain. And taken over. But best case scenario for me is, yeah, the Colts win. Jonathan Taylor kicks some ass. And then I get fantasy bonus. And the Patriots lose the week before they play the Bills. And the Bills will have a chance to then beat them again and get that division back. So, we'll go with the Colts. Uh, what's next? Panthers at Bills. <laughs> Panthers at Bills. That's the one right there. The Bills have moved to 13-point favorites, which, I mean, seems really big. I think it started at, like, 9 or 10, and it's just been constantly moving in their direction. So they must have thought that, like, Allen maybe wasn't going to play, so they uh, they shaded the line a little bit. But now it's at 13, I think. The Panthers can cover that if their defense is as good as advertised, but I don't know. I've seen the Panthers' defense be crap, and I've also seen them be good. And I think it's a combination of, like, they struggle giving up points because their offense gives the ball away a lot uh, and isn't consistent. So the other team is just getting a lot of possessions, and eventually even a good defense will break down under those circumstances. But Bills, of course. Can the Panthers win? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Is Sam Darnold going to play? Maybe. Would he make a difference against the Bills? I don't even know. Is he going to play? I think he was getting activated off the IR with a chance to play, but he may not be doing it uh, just just yet. 
if you hear me uh, get sidetracked, it's because I'm watching the uh, beginning of the UFC fights right now. Cub Swanson, Southern California vet, stepping in there right now in the opening fight. So you may get some live commentary on the UFC fights, but <laughs> this will be most likely airing much later. Um, okay, so what's next after that, Bill? Spoiler game? alert. Spoiler alert. Uh, Cardinals at Lions. Cardinals should win that game. They definitely should. Yeah. I feel like this is a week oh, a week of teams that should win certain games. Yeah. I mean, they turned the ball over four times against the Rams and still were in that game, all things considered. But that game had some of those like weird bounces where it's like, oh, just nothing's going to go the Cardinals way tonight. And... Yeah, if they if they show up and play their game, especially since they lost and like they're no longer just like solely holding on to the best record in the league anymore, they gotta take care of business against Detroit. Uh, Chase Edmonds is coming back off the IR, I think. It looks like Hopkins is out, maybe with COVID or something like that, or is it a concussion? Because it looked, remember concussion. we were watching the game and I was like, oh, he hit his head really hard on that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's concussion. I think he's. Didn't we see he's out for the season? Oh, no way. DeAndre Hopkins out for the season? No. I don't think so. Maybe that was someone else. I can't keep track. Oh, yeah. He's on injured reserve. Wow. Oh, see, I told you. What happened to him? There's no way the concussion put him there. I mean, I guess that's good for fantasy owners who have A.J. Green and Christian Kirk. It's bad for Arizona, though. I told you I saw that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't see the injury that would have put him there, but that's a bummer. He's a good player. He's one of my favorite players that, you know, just is around the league. Um, they're saying Larry Fitzgerald might come back as part, <laughs> as part of the Cardinals because of that. Oh, it's his uh, knee. knee. Knee, okay. Knee, he has to have knee surgery. Oh, well then, yeah, he's done for the year. So oh, so the Cardinals might be in serious doo-doo. Oh, Cub Swanson's about to finish Darren Elkins. Oh, maybe not. Elkins is notoriously uh, durable, but he's getting hurt, and Cub is landing shots. Herb Dean looks like he wants to stop it, but... Oh, yeah, he just fell on his face. Oh, Elkins is done. Yeah, he waved it off there. Good job, Herb. Yeah, that was, that was a good stop, considering his track record. Yeah. Even my girlfriend's talking shit about Herb Dean. She knows. <laughs> she knows. He won referee of the year somehow, so. I know. Most people that saw that happen were very confused. Um, yeah, Cub still looks good. Still slick striker. Still got speed and power. Elkins is a tough guy, but he, he was getting hit a lot. Nice angles there. Left, right. Both connect. Elkins goes down. Ooh, right hand lands on the ground. Misses with Ooh. the misses with the hook kick. <laughs> he didn't even land anything before Herb Dean stepped in there. Okay, he, so he actually stopped it slightly earlier than what we just saw. But anyway, what's the next game on deck? Um, Jets at Dolphins. Jets at Falcons. Dolphins. Dolphins. Gotcha. Well, the Dolphins are coming off their bye week, right? Yeah. So they should be nice and healthy. They've won one, two, three, four, five in a row to get to six and seven. They are 
definitely better than the Jets. Uh, and I don't know what the Jets want to trot out there this week either. It's like, is it Joe Flacco's team? Is it going to be uh, Zach Wilson's team? Because Wilson came back, but it's like it didn't result in anything good for them. So, you know, the Dolphins are 81% favorites on this. Nine and a half points. The Dolphins should definitely win this game. Uh, it'd be nice if the Jets won. Surprise the Dolphins. That would probably end their playoff hopes if they fall to six and eight. But they probably win that one. Uh, I don't see why they wouldn't. Unless there's, some, I mean, Jalen Waddle is out. Philip Lindsay's out. But I mean, Lindsay's a third running back. Waddle's a third receiver. Uh, yeah, there's nothing to make me think there's any reason that the Jets would win that game. Dolphins need it. They've been they've been playing well lately. So, oh well, moving on. Cowboys at Giants. The Cowboys should win that game, but it's a good rivalry game, and the Giants don't like to lay down for anybody. Um, and even in games where they really like should be not competitive, they find a way. And they could play spoiler for Dallas here, which would, you know, be kind of like what the Giants do. Giants are still, you know, big time dogs in this game. 11 and a half point underdogs. But they're six and seven against the spread this year. That's not that bad. But if you look at their losses, like, yeah, they lost to the Chargers, but it was 37-21. They lost to the Dolphins 20 to nine in a game that was close for most of it. They surprised the Eagles. They lost to Tampa 30 to 10, but I think that game was like 17-10 or something at one point at the half. So it wasn't like a complete blowout. They beat the Raiders. So it's like they are capable of hopping in there and potentially beating somebody better than them if they play their best football. Now, are the Cowboys going to let uh, that opportunity slip away for them? They're playing Sunday morning in New York. It was probably going to be a little chilly, but... I don't know. The Cowboys don't have any any big-time injuries that really, like, scare me off of picking them here. Daniel Jones is still not playing for the Giants, so it's like you don't have your quarterback. Like, how long can you really be competitive against, like, elite-level teams or teams that are on their way to being an elite-level team? So, Cowboys, what's next? Titans at Steelers. Ooh, that's a good one. It is a good one. I think Bud Dupree just got activated for this matchup because he gets to play against his old team. And this is a coin toss game. And seeing the Steelers as favorites, the 6-6-1 six, six, and one Steelers, who are 5-8 and eight against the spread, are uh, one-and-a-half point favorites at home against a 9-4 and four Titans team that is 8-5 against the spread. So, the odds, analytics-wise, are in the Titans' favor of winning this game. Um, but forgetting that for a moment and just looking at who the Titans are and who the Steelers are, the Titans uh, have been you know, climbing. Their their goal is to at least get to the Super Bowl. And it's been, you know, it's been a weird year for them. 
Losing Derrick Henry, obviously, was not great. But if they can just tread water until he gets back and they get into the playoffs and he's healthy, they're a scary team to play. Uh, and then you look across at the Steelers, and like you just never know which Steelers team is going to show up. Are they the team that's going to be down 29-0 against the Vikings? Or are they a team that's going to you know play hard the whole way? And, you know, the Titans give up less points per game. They score more per game. They get more yardage. They give up less yardage. Like, everything is pointing in the directions of the Titans in this game. And I would normally say that, oh, like, Henry not being there is going to be a massive decider in this game. But if you look at how bad the Steelers' run defense has been and how effective some of the Titans' backup backs have been in uh, Henry's absence... You know, I can't really say that. I mean, obviously there's a drop off because it's not Henry, but they've they still managed to run the ball very effectively. Uh, I don't know what the the ultimate numbers were against Jacksonville, but they did uh, shut out the Jags 20 to zero and Foreman did score a touchdown. But it's like they didn't have to do a lot to win that game. If you look at their losses, like they lost to a pretty good New England team. But I think, like I said earlier, they ran for a couple hundred yards in that game. Yeah. Uh, Hillard ran for 131 and Foreman ran for 109. Uh, and they did that on 20, no, sorry, 31 combined carries. So, you know, they were gashing the New England run defense, even without Henry. So we've seen, I think their struggles when Henry first kind of like went out was that this team can't really like uh, run the ball without him was the idea. But that's not the case. Like they can run the ball without him. Adrian Peterson clearly wasn't the answer uh, as they lost to Houston also in a game where they probably should have won that game. But they were missing A.J. Brown and Julio Jones for that. So Julio's back. It helps a little. Um, if they can just run the ball and play some defense, they can beat the Steelers. The Steelers, I just, I never know which Steelers team is going to show up. Uh, you've got like probably the best rookie running back in the league on your team. Deontay Johnson's got 81 catches for almost a thousand yards and six touchdowns at this point in the career. Uh, sorry, at this point in the season, not in his career. And uh, Roethlisberger, you know, he's been effective. He's got more passing touchdowns and fewer picks than Tannehill. He's got more yards than Tannehill. Uh, so there's reason to think the Steelers can win this game. I'm just surprised to see them get favorited at home. But the over-under is 42.5. I would take the over in that one. Because if I'm the Titans, I'm going to run I'm gonna run the ball. You see the Steelers' run defense is maybe the worst run defense in football right now, which is surprising considering, like, who's on their team. You saw what Dalvin Cook did to them. Yes. And he carved them up. <laughs> he sure did. And that's that's Dalvin Cook. Okay, maybe that's not the worst of it, but pretty sure they got chewed up by Joe Mixon, you know, before that too. So teams that have a good running back and a good running identity have given them problems. Yeah. Um, and they're so, unreliable. Yeah, they are unreliable. But I picked them last week and they lost. So watch, I'll pick against them this week and they'll win. But in terms of teams where there's a good uh, upset available, a, a good Titans team 
that's maybe not 100% healthy on the road in that game is a good pick in terms of trying to steal one, maybe. I'd be curious what the what does the Yahoo app say? Um, the Yahoo app says Titans. Yeah, I figured. Uh, but not, I mean, not a huge percentage, but 68% to 31. Okay. And here it's got it listed as basically a, a coin toss with Tennessee slightly ahead, 51 to 48. Yeah, so it's not like some of the other games where it's like 97, 98% one favored. Okay. Alrighty, so... Moving on? Moving on. Texans at Jags. Oof. Ugh. Yeah. Who... They're fighting for the crown of, what, worst team in the AFC? They so, both have two wins, right? Two and 11. So whoever loses gets the first pick? No, because that still goes to the Lions. Oh, they're still behind. Yeah, Lions still got the one win. But one of these teams is looking to get their third win. Maybe the Jags finally get off the schneid because they got Urban Meyer's gone. They finally fired his ass. But I heard that he just walked away from practice and never came back. So he just like ghosted them in the middle of the day. <laughs> but honestly, like if you're the Jags, good riddance. Like you needed to get rid of him. He's a toxic person. He's obviously not a good coach. Uh so this one's a, a good comeback win. Screw you. We don't need you. Well, it's like fi it's relieved. finally like he's not the talking point of their team anymore. And it's like maybe getting that kind of personality out of their clubhouse. Boost will, morale. Yeah. Boost morale. And like realistically, the Jags have been playing better for the most part than they were in the beginning of the season. They're them getting shut out by the Titans last week. is not a good indicator of that. But I've seen Trevor Lawrence get better. Um, like, they still have James Robinson. Uh, not not Chenault. Um, Treadwell. Treadwell stepped up and played some good football here. Uh, clearly, their defense has the opportunity to, like, play well against good teams. I mean, scoring only 20 if you're the Titans, like, that's not great, but you got the job done. But you didn't, like, just walk over them. Uh we saw what they did to the Bills. So the Jags are definitely capable of winning this game. The Titan or sorry, the Texans have shifted away from Tyrod Taylor again. So it's not his job anymore. They're going with the rookie. Uh, it's Davis Mills team. And, you know, they came out and they scored early against the Seahawks. And that was kind of it. And they've done that a couple times with Davis Mills where it's like the first drive of the game, like they look good. And then as soon as, like, they face a little adversity after that first drive, it's like they don't score again the rest of the game. Um, and the Texans beat them in the first game of the season, which I picked the Texans to actually beat them because I was backing Tyrod. But now that Tyrod's not there, I gotta, I'm going to go with the Jags, I think. It's, it's a stinker of a game to have to pick, but let's see. Oh, this is 62% Jags favored to win. That's interesting. Um, but yeah, clearly they're favoring uh, Trevor Lawrence as the rookie over Mills. Yeah, I can see that. Let's see who's out for Houston. Jimmy Moreland, Lane Taylor, Jonathan Grenard. Uh, 
Jaguars are favored by four and a half at home. Both of these teams barely scored 13 points a game. Uh, so it'll probably be fairly low scoring, but their defenses give up a lot too. Uh, yeah, the Jags are basically better in most places, but the Texans snuck out that win against Tennessee, so I don't know. Jags, why not? Let's go. Next game. <laughs> um, Next. Bengals at Broncos. This is an interesting one. A lot of people are picking the Broncos here, but I don't know. The Broncos are seven and six. The Bengals are seven and six. This is Denver favored 60-40 by ESPN. Got, I'm not seeing any like, oh, Vernon Hargraves missing from the corner for the Bengals is not great. At least no major, major injury news. Um, Broncos are favored by three at home. It's always hard to play in Denver. I've stood by that for a long time. Even last year when Denver's not good, like they beat some good teams at home. Uh, I like the Bengals better. I think they've been mostly better all season, except for defensively where they're not quite as good. But I think the Broncos defense a little overrated as well. Um, like they gave up 30 points to the Eagles. They gave up 22 to the Chiefs. They did beat the Chargers 28-13, and they surprised Dallas. So it's like they're capable. They're capable of sneaking in there. But if you look at all the losses that Cleveland has, it's like, yeah, they lost, or sorry, Cincinnati. They they lost to Cleveland in a tough one. Uh, but then they beat Vegas. They beat the Steelers. They lost to the Chargers, and then they lost to the Niners in overtime. So it's like, those are all good teams. Uh, so they've been playing good teams for a long time. I think this is another good opportunity to get uh, Bengals as underdogs here. I'm just not a believer in the Broncos yet. Not really. I thought the Bengals were better than they showed uh, against the Chargers, and then they, they almost came back and came back from two touchdowns down to tie the Niners, force overtime, ultimately still lose the game, but came a long way to make that happen. Oh, got a got a little puppy saying hello. Guest appearance. Yeah, guest appearance. We must have Amazon packages. So if you're looking for an opportunity to get the Bengals as underdogs, that's a game where you can get it, and I don't think your odds are really that bad we'll find out which seven and six team is actually better uh i feel that all those early broncos wins against bottom feeder teams were not really great quality whereas the Bengals do have like dominant wins over the steelers and the ravens so i would tend to side with that uh what's next uh falcons at 49ers Niners should win that game. Falcons are, uh, they're surprisingly, like, n not terrible. They're 6-7. and seven. Um, And, well, I know most people would never agree with this. I think one of the better coaching jobs so far this year in the NFL has been Arthur Smith in Atlanta. If you looked at what that team lost, losing Julio Jones in the offseason, and then they, uh, like, they have starting from scratch basically at running back because like the Todd Gurley experiment didn't work out and then Calvin Ridley walks away from the team. 
Uh, Dan Quinn, the coach, leaves and takes one of his best defensive players with him to Dallas. Uh, so Arthur, step, Arthur Smith steps into a vacuum. And the expectations for the Falcons were probably not better than like four or five wins. And they're already at six and seven. They're, they're in the race. They're in the hunt for that wild card spot in the NFC. He's not going to win it, but I think he deserves a lot of credit and a lot of uh, recognition in terms of the coach of the year kind of conversation. He won't get it. Like if they make the playoffs, maybe he gets it, but I would say probably not still. They'll give it to one of the teams that's like, you know, 12 wins or better. But uh, Arthur Smith has done a great job. Can they beat Atlanta? Um, is Kyle Shanahan going to lose a game to his old team? Probably not. There's a reason the Niners are nine-point favorites at home in that game. Niners are starting to play well. Um, they just they run the ball so effectively. They don't have to. They don't have to beat you like with big stuff. They can just like kind of chip away at you. And as long as Garoppolo doesn't make like the catastrophic errors, they should win. Falcons can maybe cover nine in that game though. And if the Falcons win that game, they're seven and seven. Like maybe you really start have to talk about Arthur Smith as being the coach of the year. He won't get it, like I said, but I said it on Twitter the other day. Nobody responded, thinking, <laughs> thinking I'm crazy. But I'm not. He's done a great job. Uh, okay, what's next? Packers at Ravens. Mm. Mm-hmm. To me, an interesting one. Yeah, I think the Packers should win that one. Packers are favored by seven at home. No, they're at Ravens. Oh, they are at the Ravens. Sorry. I look at this and it inverts it so that it has the home team on the top. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, Packers are minus three twenty favorites, seven points over under forty three and a half. I don't know if the Raiders, the Ravens have some like injury stuff that they've been dealing with. Lamar is hurt. If he is not a hundred percent, like I would definitely take Green Bay to cover seven. Yeah. Uh, He's questionable. They're super thin at cornerback, too, with Westry out and uh, Humphreys on IR as well as Marcus Peters. So, Calais Campbell is doubtful. So, eh, yeah, Packers, I mean, they should be able to win just doing what they do. Like, give the ball to Dylan, give it to Rodgers his name right Aaron yeah sorry why can I not think of the Adam Jones sorry Aaron, Aaron Jones, Jones? <laughs> yeah see I confuse it I'm watching the fights I'm watching Gamrod over here I'm Too like much I'm, multitasking. I'm way over multitasking here Your brain Aaron is, Jones brain is overstimulated Aaron Jones Devonte Adams Aaron Rodgers should be enough for them in that game because <laughs> if the Ravens come in and they're like way under man like it looks like they're gonna be uh, it's just a really bad situation. Like, Devontae Adams will chew up your best cornerback, and they don't have their best cornerback. So, I don't know how they're going to handle that. Plus, it's like, turn around, give Dylan the ball, let him be a bulldozer, and then get Aaron Jones involved in the passing game. Like, the Packers should find a way to win that game. Harbaugh's a good coach, though. He'll have them, like, at least competitive for the most part. And I actually like uh, 
Lamar's backup, Huntley. He he just hasn't like played enough yet to be comfortable, but uh he's capable. He's capable. He's he's got good skills. Um he's played well for them in the past too, but it's like asking him to step up on short notice and like beat arguably the best team in the NFC is asking a lot. So and then if you get a hobbled Lamar Jackson, he can't play like he wants to play, then you might as well play Huntley, but uh Meh. Packers. What's next? Saints at Bucks. Saints at Bucks. Well, the Saints beat him last time. Uh, and they beat him convincingly. And I think they beat him twice last season, too. So they're 3-0 and against the Tom Brady Bucks. Uh, but... This is not that Saints team. Uh, you know, Trevor Simeon stepped in and beat him. What the hell is Herb Dean doing here? Oh, that's not Herb Dean. That's Jason Herzog. I don't know what just happened in this fight. Did he stop it? It looked like he tapped before the choke got in. I don't know what happened exactly. Ooh. It's a uh, Gamrock at the win or disqualification, maybe. Focus. It's very awkward. Well, it's like he was going for the choke, but something happened before that, um, so I'm not exactly sure. We don't have the sound on. Let's see. He goes for a shot. Ooh, yeah. Dislocated his shoulder, it looked like. Something like that. And that's what made him tap before the choke got in. Yeah, he, yeah, he tapped before the choke happened. <laughs> and he's like, "Nope, I'm still gonna choke you anyway." <laughs> Gamrot, you're a mean motherfucker. He 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 was struggling a little bit in that fight though. All right, anyway, um, this is a different matchup. I like Taysom Hill. I need him to do well in fantasy. Josh Allen showed that Hill should be able to run on them, and Sean Payton has shown that like he will have his guys well-coached and ready to play regardless of you know the circumstances. They got Kamara back, uh, so that is a boost for how they're going to at least be able to approach Tampa, but you don't really like run on Tampa Bay anyway. That's the Sunday night game, by the way, in case anyone's uh, wondering. We've moved track. to that portion of the show at this point. Uh, Teron Armstead being out on the offensive line and Ryan Ramchek again. Uh, those are some, uh, those are like injuries that you don't want to see going up against the kind of team that Tampa is. Uh, Tampa's missing Rashad Perriman, who scored the game winner against Buffalo. They've got some questionables uh, in the secondary, and Richard Sherman's doubtful. Fournette is questionable. They're 11 and a half point favorites. I'm going to go out on a limb and say the Saints cover the 11 and a half because it's a rivalry game. The fact that they're 3-0 and against this Tampa team tells me that Sean Payton knows something about how they play that they can just get to them. And the last two games against them have not been close. I think the combined score is like 75 or like 15 or something in those two. So the Saints have 
found a way to just weasel their way into this Tampa team, despite Tampa clearly being the better team. Sorry, I have to include the playoff game from last year as well, which Tampa did beat New Orleans in New Orleans, and it was Drew Brees' last game. So uh, in the regular season, though, uh, New Orleans is 3-0 against Tampa. Tom Brady's Tampa. So I think they'll keep it close, closer than 11. Because uh, their defense has been... You know, pretty good. Their run defense is always at the top of the league as well, right there with Tampa. So it's really the points per game that's going to get them. And I need Kamara to be held in check mostly. So I need I need Taysom Hill to go buck wild. I need him and Jonathan Taylor to just elevate me this week. Um, I'm going to say Tampa gets it done, though. Not by 11 and a half. Probably by six to ten. Is that fair? Sure. All right. What's next? <laughs> what else? Last game, right? No, wait, no. no. Oh, that's right. The okay, moving to Monday. What we got? It's interesting in the Yahoo app they actually like rearranged it all to be in yeah. game order. Uh, Raiders at Browns. If that game happens at all. Yeah, I would have said the Raiders were going to win that game with all the, the COVID cases. But now that like everything's gone the way it's gone, the Raiders, I think, are just trending down. The Browns are still trying to hang around there as uh, a competitor. They both have like uh, wildcard aspirations on the line. Perriman, Waller being out for the Raiders is not great. Uh Right now, Jarvis Landry's out, Austin Hooper's out, Jadavion Clowney's out, and James Hudson is out as well. Um, so, right now, it doesn't look like the Browns are in great shape, but they still got uh, Senor Nick Chubb in the backfield, and that's kind of all that matters. Greg Newsom's still going to be out, so that's not great for them, but the Raiders aren't like as dangerous of a past team as we have seen and a lot of those guys that were listed as out will probably be active for the game because they're out for covid so by the time the dust settles i see a cleveland team that's going to just like pound the run the way that they tend to do with nick chubb so i don't know I'm tempted to say Cleveland. There's there's so little information available about who's actually going to play, and they don't have to report it until, I think, 2 p.m. game day on Monday. The game is at 2 p.m. now. Yeah, so all those guys that are, like, game time decisions are questionable for COVID, like, they have up until that time. Oh, that's, this is a terrible week. It's a horrible game to bet if you're going to bet this game. Um, that's why I just have to pick... The team with the winning record. Uh, they're both 5-8 and eight against the spread, so that doesn't help anything. Uh, it's the points per game allowed. The Raiders, despite having a much better defense than they've had in the past, it's still pretty bad right now. So 27 a game is a lot. Um, and that's really like the biggest eye-popping number that stands out. They give up more yards. They get more yards because they play from behind. But it's the run game that should be the deciding factor here and the browns defense can step up and play very very good on occasion like they are not quite what i would call like an elite defense yet but there's moments there's flashes where it's like oh yeah this is one of the best defenses or can be one of the best defenses in football when they all like play as good as they can so i'm gonna go with cleveland on that one what do we got next 
Uh, Vikings or Bears? Vikings or Bears? Vikings. I mean, Justin Fields gives the Bears an extra element, and we saw at least that gear be available in the Packers game last week. They lost, but like the Bears probably scored more points than they have all season in that game. Um, he's still a little beat up, though, dealing with the ribs and stuff. The Vikings... The Vikings need to win that game desperately. Uh, the Bears' defense is still a little bit, excuse me, a little bit like chewed up in some spots. So uh, I gotta, I gotta pick the Vikings. But as with the Steelers, every time I pick them, the opposite happens. So <laughs> watch out for a Bears W this week. But the Vikings are favored by six on the road. It's funny they're six and seven, but they're seven and six against the spread. Uh, it's just the Bears don't really score that often, but the Vikings defense also gives up a ton of points, so there's that. Um, but yeah, I'll go with the Vikes. What's next? Seahawks at Rams. This is the last one? Nope, there's still no. one more. Oh, that's right. We've <laughs> just finally arrived at Tuesday. Uh, I said I'm going to stubbornly pick the Seahawks to win this game because it seems like they finally just... Russell Wilson seems like the the finger is finally back to, you know, where it maybe wasn't before. He definitely came back too early, uh, and you could see that throughout, like, the first, like, three games. And they've kind of, like, started to finally figure things out. And, like, they're still, like, not great, but back-to-back wins where they've scored 30 is really impressive considering the game that Russell Wilson first came back, they scored zero. And then the game after that, they scored 13. The game after that, they scored 15. So to put up 30 in back-to-back weeks is a good sign for them. Um, both of these teams are coming off those little three-game losing streaks, uh, followed up by back-to-back wins. Arizona is definitely the best win amongst the group, but the Seahawks beat the 49ers, who beat the Rams. So, as it always goes in the AFC West, uh, it's rock, scissor, paper. All these teams can beat each other on any given day. Uh, I think the Rams could definitely overlook Seattle here, thinking that, you know, they're not good. But if you're the Seahawks, you're at eight losses, and if you run the table and you get to nine and eight, you might get in the playoffs. So this is their time. The Rams are favored, rightfully so, and they're favored by six and a half. So the smart money is obviously on the Rams. Um, But I'm a glutton for punishment, and go Hawks. (laughs) Go Hawks. Go Hawks. And I just, I feel bad for them because uh, the Rams should have had to forfeit because of the COVID stuff. But... As a result, uh, I'm, I'll be pulling for the Seahawks more than usual. Because um, apparently Odell Beckham played with COVID. Yeah, because the test was positive on Sunday, the day of the game. Correct. Uh, so, yeah, the Rams should have to forfeit that game. Yeah. But regardless, they're without. not going to forfeit the game. So Or play without all their players. Yeah. Oh, well. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. That's right. Go Hawks. little Tuesday night special. I'm going to wear my Seahawks socks. That's right. That game's early, though, so it's going to be Seahawks and Spider-Man on Tuesday. (laughs) What's next? Last game, right? Yep. Washington Eagles. So for mostly the same reasons, Eagles. Because Washington did not get their shit under control. The game got postponed for them, not for the Eagles. Um, and I have selfish fantasy reasons for wanting the Eagles to win that game, but I honestly don't know which team is like actually better at this point. Uh, they both shown glimpses of being good. I want to say Washington is like maybe better as a whole, but the Eagles have a higher ceiling, if that makes sense. 
Like when we've seen the Eagles play their best, like they're very dangerous. Like they can score a lot. Their defensive front is strong. But when they don't play well, they don't play well. And Washington is a little more consistent than that. And, you know, they've strung together a bunch of wins. I don't know if the Eagles have won more than like two games in a row all season where Washington is just coming off a four-game streak. Um, so there's that. And let's see. Yeah, Washington was getting, I think it was maybe 20 to nothing against Dallas at one point uh, before they came back and lost 27-20. But they were getting outclassed by the Cowboys. And the Eagles handled business against the Jets, but they lost to the Giants in a game that they shouldn't have lost. So the Eagles really should have won four in a row, but that just shows you that they can't go out there and consistently win. And that's what I'm talking about with the Eagles having the higher ceiling but the lower floor. Uh, <laughs> uh, both these teams, though, at 6-7 and seven are right there in the playoff race. It's a huge game. It's in Philly. But they're one and four at home, so it's not exactly the friendly confines. Uh, and Washington's only 500 on the road, so you would think that Washington's probably going to sneak it out, but I'm probably going to go with Philly in this one just to spite them. <laughs> I'm already behind in the picks anyway. I don't know if I can win the league anymore, so it's time to get a little risky this week and see what happens. Go Hawks. We're going with bird teams. That's the theme. Unless you're the Falcons. <laughs> Sorry, Falcons. Hey, if they beat the Niners, that's better for the Seahawks, so go Falcons. There you go. Um, it's the theme for the week. The bird is the word. Uh, and that's the last game, right? Yep. All right, so we went a little bit over time, but uh, that's fine. It's not a big deal. Uh, we did have some UFC thrown That's in there. true. Uh, the UFC leak through got into the commentary. But if you're listening to football, there's a chance you're a UFC fan anyway, and you're probably watching the fight, so you may be like, oh, yeah, I was watching that when that happened. But we got kickoff for Colts, Patriots in about half an hour. It gives me just enough time to put this up and annoy people with it. If you're one of our loyal listeners to this show, thank you so much. Thank uh, you. Feel free to reach out to me on Twitter, at Podcast. Um... If you want to get on the show, you let me know. If you have questions for me, you let me know. We'll address them on the air. And until next time, good luck to everyone who's in the fantasy football playoffs this week. May your matchups be favorable. May you find good fortune in the legs and feet of Jonathan Taylor. <laughs> and... Basically, unless you're the Patriots or the Panthers, good luck to everybody's teams out there this week. Um, and that'll do it. I think we'll come back and we'll do Christmas Eve morning show. We'll take Christmas off. And uh, yeah, that's it, everybody. Thanks for listening. Take care. Go Bills. And happy football Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. Oh, there it is. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody. Right. Bye. Bye. Thank you to everyone who took the time to listen to the episode. I still believe that word of mouth is the best way to help. So if you enjoyed it, please tell somebody. But liking, subscribing, and sharing go a long way, too. This show is an extension of thescheiss.com, and you can contact me at info at or at Scheiss Podcast on Twitter. And until next time, be well, stay safe, and go Bills. Go Bills.